Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 22. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Cephas and, um, and John and Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, when, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which became the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that uh, you would guide us as we hear from your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would empower me by your Holy Spirit, that I might proclaim your words boldly and be guided by your Spirit. Lord, give each of us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The church service was about to begin in a, a big old church building, not unlike Trungley Hall. A fairly large congregation 
had assembled in that particular day and were all waiting with anticipation for the service to begin. As the service was about to start, the church organist slowly and reverently made his way to the church organ. He began scraping up his music and found the right page, got it to the right hymn, and then put his hand out and his fingers on the keys, but no sound came out. It took a few moments for everyone to realise that something was wrong, and that's when the minister stepped up and began to lead the congregation in prayer. No one else understood what had happened. All they knew was that the organ wasn't working. No one else, that is, except for the church janitor. When he saw that the organist was having troubles, he knew straight away what was going on. The organ wasn't plugged in. So he quietly snuck over to where the organ was and, and plugged it in. And just before he's made his way back to his chair, he wrote on a little note and handed it to the organist. And on that note, it read, After the prayer, the power will be on. In the verses we're looking at today, we're being shown the dramatic difference in the lives of the apostles and these early believers as the Holy Spirit empowers them to share the good news of Jesus boldly, as their hearts are inspired by the Spirit to share the good news with whoever will listen. The Peter that we read about in these verses is the same Peter who had denied Jesus three times. Back then, he was only confronted by a lowly servant girl and another man who was standing around in the crowd. But in these verses, Peter and John are boldly proclaiming Christ and him alone to the very same religious leaders who had basically crucified Jesus, who had handed him over to Pilate. What we see in these verses is the realisation of Jesus' prayer in Luke 22. There Jesus says these words to Peter. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And that's exactly what Peter is doing in these verses as he strengthens his brothers and sisters in Christ and boldly shares the good news. After the prayer, the power will be on. As we read about the boldness and conviction of the apostles and these early believers, as the religious and these religious leaders also had quite a lot of political power as well in their day, try to stop the message of the good news of Jesus going out. We're being reminded that to be effective witnesses of Christ Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to face those who reject Jesus. Not everyone is going to thank us for sharing the good news. Not everybody is going to receive the good news with joy. Not everyone is going to respect our faith in the fact that Jesus is the one and only way to God. And so unless we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit 
as we serve as Christ's witnesses, we will sooner or later find ourselves making compromises, compromises with the message that Jesus has given us to share. We'll either shy away from it and stop talking about it or we'll only mention the bits that are less controversial, effectively watering it down. If we are going to be effective witnesses of Jesus, we need to go out in his name, empowered by his spirit, so that we can courageously share the good news. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at how God had used the miraculous healing of this one lame beggar who had spent many, many, many years at the gate of the temple of the Lord. He was hopeless and helpless, but now through the power of the Holy Spirit was fully restored. And as this man was walking and jumping and praising the Lord in the temple of the Lord, a large crowd had assembled to see what God had done. And last week we heard how Peter had boldly confronted that crowd about their sin and about their need for repentance. He didn't mince his words at all. But now in these verses, Peter is interrupted by these religious leaders. As Peter was speaking to the crowd, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John, and they were really upset. Not only had Peter and John been teaching in the temple of the Lord, they had been teaching that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. These religious leaders knew that that was a messianic claim. Or in other words, what Peter and John were saying is that Jesus is God's promised Messiah, God's promised King. Given that the majority of these religious leaders were Sadducees, including many of the priests, they would have also been very upset by the claim that Jesus was raised from the dead because the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they seized Peter and John and put them in jail for the night, maybe thinking a night in the slammer would do them some good, while they decided what they were going to do with him. But that's when, they were, that's when we're told in verse 4 that many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now, you notice it only lists the men. It doesn't list women and children. So that number was probably quite quite a lot more. For these early believers, though, it must have felt like these religious leaders had, had stormed in and were about to stamp out the message of the good news of Jesus. And yet as the church received its very first taste of persecution, the numbers of believers grew despite the resistance from these religious leaders. The next day, Peter and John were brought before a large crowd of elders and teachers of the law. All of the most important leaders, religious leaders of that day were there, including the high priest and many men from his family. Their names are even listed in the passage to show us how important these people were. These religious leaders were taking the threat of Christianity very, very seriously, particularly this claim that Jesus had been raised 
from the grave. So they questioned Peter and John about how they were able to heal this man. Notice how they asked the question. By what power or what name do you do this? How did you do this? And Luke even goes as far as to record the way in which Peter replies. He says, and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, told them that it was by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. It was by Jesus' power and the authority of his name that this man was healed. That's why back in chapter 3, Peter had looked at the crowd and told them, why do you stare at us as if it's by our own power and godliness? that we made this man walk. Peter knew that this man hadn't been made whole by him or his power, but by the power and the authority of Jesus. And that's when Peter made the most offensive claim that he could have possibly made to these Jewish religious leaders. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now keep in mind the context here. You need to keep in mind who Peter was talking to. He was in the middle of a meeting to decide his own fate. He was in a meeting with the most influential and most powerful religious leaders of his day some of whom were the same leaders responsible for having Jesus crucified. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that could have given him the clarity and conviction to be able to speak with such boldness in those circumstances. But all he was really explaining was the core truth of the gospel. But sadly, it's, it's still one of the most offensive aspects of the gospel to an unbeliever's way of thinking. To say that Jesus is the one and only way of salvation is to say that you cannot be saved by any other religion or belief. To say that Jesus is the only way of salvation is to say that you cannot be saved by your good works, your achievements, or your standing in the community. To say that Jesus is the one and only way to be saved is to say that we are all sinners in need of a saviour. That's why our culture so often tries to water down the good news of the Christian message by claiming that all religions basically teach the same thing or that there are many paths to God. But that simply isn't Christianity. That isn't the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is that there is salvation for all who trust in Jesus. But it's also that Jesus is the only way to be made right with God. So not surprisingly, these religious leaders were far from pleased with Peter and John. To them, it would have felt like they were devaluing the religious traditions that 
had been a part of their culture for hundreds and hundreds of years. Seeing the courage with which Peter spoke and the clarity of the message given that these guys were just fishermen, basically tradies. They were astonished by their words. And they were astonished by the fact that they had healed this man. They could see without questioning in their own minds that God had done something amazing through these two men. But even after recognising that God was working through them, they still refused to believe in Jesus, the one and only way of salvation. And so they warned Peter and John not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus again. It wasn't the healing of this man that offended them. It was the claim that they had done it in the name of the risen Lord Jesus. These religious leaders would have been fine had they come back and healed people on a regular basis. But still filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. So after these religious leaders had made many more threats, we're not told what they've threatened, but many more threats, they let them go. Not because they believed them, but because they feared the people. Because the people were all praising God for this amazing healing that had been done through Peter and John. For it couldn't be denied that this same man who is now walking and jumping and praising God is the same man who had been at the temple gates for more than 40 years in his hopeless and helpless state, begging at the gate. But now through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, this man was completely restored. Verses we've been looking at today are a reminder that to be an effective witness for Jesus, we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. As we go out with the good news of Jesus, we need to be prayerful and dependent on him so that we're going out with the power switched on. During the week, I was having a bit of a conversation with some other car enthusiasts, and and we were, as car enthusiasts do, uh, having uh, maybe more than a little bit of a dig at the hype over electric cars. And one of the comments that stood out to me in that conversation was the comment that an electric car doesn't make power on its own. The only power it has is the power that it has been charged with, which has usually come from a power station, maybe gas or coal, but that's another topic. And, And in a similar way, those in Christ Jesus cannot be effective in sharing the good news of Jesus if we're trying to make our own power. We're like an electric car. We don't make our own power. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit as we go out to share the good news. If we want to have the same sort of courage that Peter and John had as they boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus in the face of quite clearly physical harm and imprisonment, if we want to overcome our fear of what others might say or how they might react or fear of an awkward conversation 
as we share the good news of Jesus with a with a friend or a family member or prime time or scripture or kids' church or playgroup or any other kind of community event. If we want to have the words to say, to speak the truth into people's lives, then we need to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit would give us the words to say, that would guide us to the opportunities that God has given us. As we saw in chapter 3, this is an extremely important and urgent mission. In chapter 3, we were told that anyone who refuses to listen to Jesus will be cut off from God and his people. Jesus is the one and only way of salvation. I heard it explained a bit like this. If this building was on fire and the fire was up the back of this building and I was to say to you all, there is only one way out of this room and that is the front door. You cannot leave by the rear door. The fire is too hot. There's nothing arrogant about that statement. Under those circumstances, it would be nothing more than a statement of fact. Under those circumstances, to tell you, choose whichever door you'd like, makes no difference, all ways lead out. That wouldn't be loving. That wouldn't be kind. It would be downright negligent. And in the same way to tell you that you can be saved through any other means than faith in Christ Jesus would not be loving. It would not be kind. It would be downright destructive. Salvation cannot be found anywhere else or in anything else or anyone else than in Christ Jesus. This has been revealed to us by our creator through his word. And so if we know and believe this to be true, and if we have been sent on mission to share this good news, then just like Peter and John, we are called to serve God rather than men through the power of his spirit. We're called to put aside our fears of what others might say and our fears of having an awkward conversation. So if Jesus is the one and only way of salvation, which he is, and if we are called to share in this life-saving message, which we are, then we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit as we go out this week so that we might go out empowered by the Holy Spirit so we might make the most of the opportunities God is giving us this week. Let's pray. Father God, help us to never go forward in our own strength. Help us to lean not on our own understanding, our own skills, our own abilities. Help us to find our hope, our joy and our strength in the good news of Jesus. Lord, grant us great proportions of your spirit that as we spend our week, wherever we're doing, whatever we're doing, that we might be salt and light, that our words would be seasoned with salt, 
and that the light of Christ might shine through us. Help us not to miss the opportunities that you have for us this week, Lord, but help us instead by the power of your spirit to have the words that you would have us say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.